happen happen. <clears throat> Good evening. How are you guys doing? So, so, uh, so I tried to get Jose Rojas, but you can imagine how difficult that that task is. <laughs> and so I figured I'd use myself as a backup plan. Uh, tonight you are getting backup plan A. Apologize, Jose couldn't be here. He never got back to me. Never even received a return phone call saying, "No, I'm not interested in coming." So my feelings about Jose. So it's not on. Is it on? Oh, I'm. I just, I talk loud. It's all right. <clears throat> anyway, my feelings about Jose are really high. I think he's a good guy. Hey. Uh, I want to tell you guys uh, a story that happened to me this week. Um, not this week, this month. Beginning of the month, end of the month, middle of the month, last month. After Reconnect, I decided I was going to order these banners, you know. It's going to be amazing. Uh, big banners that said Reconnect on it. I was going to put them outside and put them like uh, behind the food and, and, and uh, at the entrance. And, and I was going to get these can lights, like those lights you see up there. And I was going to have them shining on the banners. And then I was going to have can lights like lining the hallways in multiple colors. And man, I had this vision and it was good. <laughs> and uh, so I set out to achieve this task. And I went through uh, talking to my friends and calling people and seeing what the good stuff was. And made my decision and I bought these things. We just recently moved to an area that... Uh, let me just say, it's not quite as nice as our previous home. It's a little more sketchy. Apparently, the boxes were delivered. And, uh, and online it said delivered. But then, like, uh, I'd gotten home only three hours after they were delivered. So something's not right with that. And then I started getting these phone calls from weird numbers. Now I started thinking, well, hey, maybe my neighbor picked them up or something. So finally, the next morning, I answered the phone calls. And he said, bro, man, check it out. It's like, there's this, this bro dude. And he grabbed these boxes and he took them out back my house. And he started messing around in the dumpster with them. And he's like, it was crazy. And I was like, whoa. Are you saying you know where my stuff is? <laughs> and he's like, bro, so, so check it out. Then I'm like, I'm like with my binoculars up on the third floor looking down. And I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, I'm watching this dude in the dumpster. And I'm like, something's not right. Something's not right. And he walked away. He didn't take anything. And so I went out to the dumpster and I looked inside. And there was all this like track lighting and stuff, bro. He's like, it's awesome. He's like, wow. He's like, that guy, that guy did not buy this stuff, man. He's like, so then I ripped off the label and I saw your name and your info. And so I called you and you didn't answer the phone. And so I just left it in the dumpster. And I was like, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, bro. Then later the guy came back, man. And he's like, and I took pictures and stuff, but I didn't take any pictures of him. He took all the stuff with like three other people. And I'm like. I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, 
Like you saw my name, you saw that I lived like right next to you and you didn't take it out of the dump. I didn't, I didn't give him a hard time. I was just like, well, maybe we can find him. So I filed a police report and I filed a report with FedEx and I filed a report with Ebob America and I filed a report with my credit card. That's right, I was getting my stuff. <laughs> and so uh, long story short, I don't want to draw this out because it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about tonight. Long story short is uh, uh, they had to resend the stuff. I just got it today. It's in a box over there behind the trash can. Um, seemed like the place to put it. Anyway, uh, I haven't I haven't yet gotten it out. I didn't have the time to put it all together and whatever. And so I'm sorry. The dream has not yet become reality. It's so close, so close. I mean, literally, like. Like, I called FedEx today, and I was like, hey, can I get that stuff from you guys? And I was like, man, can you get it here this morning? And they're like, well, they're like, I don't know. It's already in the truck. The driver's out there. I was like, well, can you call him and see where he's at? And so they're, they're like, yeah, let me call him. So they call him and say, actually, he's, you, you got lucky. He's like the, the nicest driver, and he says, I'll give you his cell phone number. You can call him. And I was like, sweet. And so I called him, and he said he couldn't get there until 12. And anyway, I didn't get enough time to do anything with it, so sorry. Next time you come, there's going to be a banner with this light shining on it. It says reconnect. It's going to be big. There's going to be these colored lights like coming up the hallway and stuff as you walk down that long, awkward hallway. And then there's going to be like a banner as you come up in this piece. It's going to be a hot mix. All right. So be here. Yeah. <laughs> going to be excited. All right, let's 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 pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, stand up here and make a fool of myself. Lord, I just ask that uh, that you would be in my heart and in my mind and in my life. That you would be in my words and that as I present something here tonight that uh, it would be what you have for me to present. Uh, thank you so much for being a God that cares about each one of us. And I pray that you would help us to feel that. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Jesus is this interesting guy. I don't know how many of you know Jesus, how many of you are familiar with him. But he's an interesting guy. Uh, he says some interesting things. Now, we're, we're accustomed to saying like, wow, he's so profound. I mean, he said some stuff that is just deep, you know, and we talk about it and we analyze it and we look it over and we look back and we say, man, he, he was amazing. But if you, really, if you really look at what Jesus said, he said some things that made absolutely no sense to the people at the time. I mean, that just straight up blew their mind. That was like opposite of what anybody would have thought. And I just want to share a couple of those with you guys. For example, there's this moment. There's a multitude of people around, a bunch of little kids. And Jesus says, anybody? There it is. There it is. She knew it. Let the little children come to me. We used to say that at the Moose Lodge when I was a kid. You know, I used to go dancing with my country square dancing with my parents. That's right. And uh, 
at 9 o'clock, everything would shut down. All the lights would go off, and these little lights with little children on them would come down. And we would stand up, and we would say, let the little children come to me. Everybody in the whole place, do not keep them away, for they are the kingdom of heaven. God bless Moose Heart. Amen. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Anyway, so, uh, so here's this story, and Jesus is like hanging around with all these people. And Jesus, he, he's like, uh, they're, they're asking him, they're like, so who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so he calls all these kids over, and he's like, and he's like, verily I say unto you, except you be converted. Well, sorry, I just want to say, I had all this on uh, that, but we couldn't get my clicker working. Anyway, Jesus says, unless you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. That's like an awe movement. Aw. So you got to be like a child to get to him. Keep going. All right. As I read, do it again. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as, a, as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's so cute. And whoso shall receive one such little child, in my name receiveth me. Oh, man, that's so cute. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones, it were better for him that a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Okay, no, that's cool. I mean... I didn't know I was speaking to this kind of a group of people, but whatever. I mean, think about this for a second. I put yourself in the situation. Here's Jesus. Here's all these people. Here's these little kids. And Jesus, they're like, who's the greatest in the kingdom? He's like, oh, hey. Hey, little buddy. How you doing? These are the greatest in the kingdom. You've got to accept them like me. But if one of you guys were to offend one of them, it'd be better that a wrecking ball were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the ocean and you died a terrible death and it took you as far away from God as you could possibly get. Because come judgment day, it's kind of just a weird sentence that Jesus throws in. The rest of it has nothing to do with anything about offending little kids. It's like a statement to... Uh, child molesters throughout all time <laughs> you know <laughs> I just want to get this out there to be clear for everybody I, I don't know what Jesus was doing there here's another one here's another one <clears throat> Jesus is uh is hanging out one day with a bunch of people right and uh and all of a sudden his mom and his brothers show up right you all know exactly where I'm going with this his mom and his brothers show up, and, everybody, and somebody comes up to him and is like, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are here, man. And he's, like, and he's like, my mom and my brothers? He's like, who are my mom and my brothers? Like, I care about my mom and my brothers. My mom and my brothers? That's you guys who I've known for all of like a year, maybe. Maybe. And we look at that, and we're just like, that's really bizarre, Jesus. You know, why would you say something like that? You know, and we look back on that and it's like, okay, all right. I mean, imagine I were to say something like that. Imagine I were to say something like that. My mom comes walking in the door and somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, your mom's here. And I'm like, my mom? Pfft, who's my mom? Hughes, you're my mom. You're my mom, you're my brother, and you're my sister. <laughs> I mean, it's just bizarre. It's a bizarre thing to say. Peter comes and jumps out of this boat and swims over to Jesus. And when he gets over to Jesus, Jesus is like, 
Peter, do you love me? Well, that's a normal question. And, you know, Peter just denied it. And he's like, he's like, yes, Lord, I love you. And he's like, feed my sheep. Like, what a response. Do you love me? Well, if you love me, you'd feed my sheep. Like, your sheep? Where are your sheep, Lord? I'll go feed them. Are you talking about the people of your pasture? Are you being metaphorical? Am I supposed to go and, and preach to the world? Anyway, it's really interesting. So having said that, I want to lead into something else that we're going to talk about tonight. Another interesting thing that Jesus does. Matthew chapter 13. I assume nobody brought. Oh, look at that. Oh, my goodness. There's like seven or eight Bibles out there. You guys are scholars. No, there's like 15, 10 or 15 Bibles out there. Well, I would have been giving you the text the whole time. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 is where we're going to be looking at right now. <clears throat> the same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the seaside. Okay, he's down at the sea. It says in verse 2 that great multitudes were gathered together. Sometimes Jesus would get these big multitudes of people that were come together. And it's crazy because <clears throat> they would stay with him all day sometimes. I mean, it's like, imagine, you know, put yourself in the situation. You know, you get up early in the morning. Maybe you're married. Maybe you have a couple little kids. And you kind of dress them and you put their little clothes on and, and you, you go and you cook lunch for yourself, you know, and you put it all in a basket, you know, and you got up early that morning just so that you could walk 13 miles to wherever Jesus is to hang out with him for the day. Like, so, so, you know, you get this in the picture and it says, and the great multitudes were gathered unto him because he was hanging out by the water. It says, so he went on to a ship. And he sat down to talk to them, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spoke these things in parables, saying, now listen, here we go. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. When he sowed, seeds fell by the wayside. Some of the fowls came and devoured them up. See, some seeds fell in the stony places where there had not much earth. Forthwith they sprung up, that means quickly, because they had no deepness of earth. And <clears throat> when the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no root and withered away. Some fell among the thorns. The thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell in the good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. <clears throat> all, right, all right, all right. You guys aren't, you're not thinking what I'm thinking at all. <clears throat> so here's the deal. All of these people show up. They're expecting Jesus to say something. Some probably like, hey, man, this guy's always been really inspirational to me. You should come hear him, you know. And all these people show up, and they got this big crowd. And here's Jesus. And they're like, there's a big crowd of people. Maybe you should say something, man. And he's like, okay, well, what do you think? And he's like, well, go down into the boat. You know, and Peter maybe be shooing him along. And he goes down in the boat, and he's sitting on the side of the boat. And he, he gets down, and he looks up at the crowd, and he's about to say something. <clears throat> and this is what he says. He says, I mean, we all know the parable of the sower and the seed. You know, he says, hey, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different, there's four different types of seed. Guy goes out to throw, so it sows here, falls on rocks. Doesn't have much depth, so it springs up. Sun scorches it, it dies. Some falls by wayside. Birds come, pick it up, it's no good. Some falls in the thorns. Springs up, thorns choke it, kills it. Some fall on good soil. If you get it, you get it. And then he turns around and that's it. That's the whole sermon. That's the entire sermon. I mean, people put little booties on their kids and brought them 13 miles, and Jesus gives them four seeds from a sower. That's the whole sermon. 
I mean, what if I got up here and I spoke for like 20 seconds, you know, a minute? Some of you might like that. I don't know. <laughs> but you'd still be like, really? Really? That's it? That's all you got to say to me? I don't even get that. That doesn't even make any sense. There's, there's, there's a guy with seeds and he's chugging. I mean, we know the answer because of what comes next. But he only told that to his 12 disciples. He only said that to 12 people. That means that there's hundreds, maybe thousands of people that are literally scratching their heads going, what just happened? What just happened? So it says in verse 10, it says, the disciples came and said unto him, <coughs> why do you speak unto them in parables? <coughs> and he answered and said unto them, because it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. But to them it is not given. For whosoever has, to him it shall be given. And he shall have more abundance. But whosoever does not have, to him it shall be taken away, even that which he has. Therefore I speak unto them in parables, because they, seeing me, see not. And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. So let me get this right, Jesus. Okay, his disciples are, are with him. They come up to him afterwards. They're going, man, what was that? Are you serious? And Jesus is like, listen, I was trying to confuse them. <laughs> I mean, that's what he said. Did he not? He said, so seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear, neither will they understand. So let me get this right. People put on their little booties. They traveled 13 miles. They get there and he's specifically trying to confuse them. Wow, this guy is awesome. <laughs> but people don't think about that when they think of Jesus. They think he was this guy who told these deep sermons. I mean, the parable of the sower and the seed, that was deep stuff. And it is. For the rest of us. <laughs> but for the people that were there that day, they're going, what in the world? So he continues and he says, In them, so that it is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, By hearing they shall hear and not understand. And seeing they shall see, but not perceive. Now listen to this, because this is it. <clears throat> it says, For this people's heart is waxed gross. And their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have been closed. Lest, that's a key word, remember it. At any time they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. And should understand with their heart. And should be converted and I could heal them. Or I should heal them. The word lest there isn't I'm confusing them just in case they might get it. Because if they were to get it then I would have to heal them. The word lest there is they're confusing themselves. They're stopping their ears. They're closing their eyes. They're doing everything they can so that they're not getting into it deep. That way, if the moment comes across where they have to do something about their faith, then they, they can act like they don't know what, what's going on. You see, those that get it will get more. Those that get it will get abundance. But those that don't get it, 
They've already stepped back. They've already shut themselves off. They already closed themselves altogether from it. Now, here's a question. I wonder sometimes if I'm that person, you know. <clears throat> if I'm that person, I'm watching <clears throat> a pastor and I'm going, man, I just don't like him. You know, he kind of, you know, like his style of preaching just doesn't do it for me. You know, I rubs me the wrong way. I'm not much for that guy. Oh, my goodness. Billy Graham, though. Man, I went and cried at all 13 of his conventions that came to Portland. I gave my life to Jesus 10 times. That guy can preach a sermon. And somebody else is like, is like, what about John Hagee? Man, I love him. Dude, but I hate Billy Graham. Man, that guy, he's got nothing good to say. His theology is all wrong. All like this, this, and this. And, and what about this? And, and we're like fine-tuning pick, picks, taking apart uh, the, the people that are preaching the word of God. And, and we've, we've become these people that sit in our pews and, and we don't uh, do anything about our faith. And when it becomes real or when we have to give something up or have to change, then we're just like, eh, eh I don't know. That's not really biblical. or I, I, I'm not seeing that. or I, I'm not feeling that. Jesus was a revolutionary, though. <clears throat> over and over again, his vision wasn't for three people and it wasn't for 12 people. It wasn't even for these multitudes of people that weren't going to follow him. His vision was for the world. And we see that over and over again. When everybody else wasn't getting it, Jesus was getting it. In John chapter 3, verse 16, the verse we all know, for God so loved the world. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, God loves the entire world. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, somebody's cell phone's going off. In Matthew chapter, eight, uh, chapter 28, verse 18 and 20, it, it says, Go ye therefore, baptizing and teaching all nations, when Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. They're still not getting it. As he's ascending, he looks down and he tells them, and he says to them, Look, I will give you the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll come upon you, and you will be able to preach to all nation, tongues, and peoples, to everyone, to the very ends of the earth. Jesus keeps telling his disciples this, and they just aren't getting it. I mean, he had to give Peter this dream like three times where he's dropping sheets of unclean meat down in front of him before, before Peter starts to understand it, before Peter starts to realize that Jesus' vision is huge. He's revolutionizing the world. When the Pharisees are saying nobody else can be involved, Jesus is saying everybody needs to be involved. Luke chapter 14, <clears throat> verse 25 Luke 14, verse 25 says, And there went great multitudes with him. All right, we get the multitudes back. What's he going to say this time? I'm excited to find out. <clears throat> there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said to them, he looks at me and says, If any man come, okay, so here's Jesus walking. And all of a sudden he turns around, he's about to say something to all these people waddling after him like little ducklings. <clears throat> If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. What an introduction. I'm telling you, this guy is intense. I wish I could say something like that, you know. I really do. Get up at Beaverton Church tomorrow. <laughs> 
if every one of you don't hate each other, hate your mother, hate your dad, if you don't hate it all, then you can't follow me. People be like, I don't want to follow you. <laughs> so he keeps going. And he says, whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. We say that now and we're like, yeah, bear your cross. We've heard that a million times. But Jesus, when he was saying that, he was saying, bear your cross. Whoever is not willing to take that cross up and follow me all the way to Calvary's Hill. I mean, they knew what it meant when he was talking about bearing a cross. They knew what it meant because the Roman soldiers killed people on crosses all the time. So whichever one of you guys are so scared to follow me, if you're scared of the, of the cross, if you're scared of being, of being coming in contact with death, I want nothing to do with you. Cannot be my disciple. Verse 28, he says, For which of you intending to build a tower sits down first, counts the cost, whether it be sufficient, whether he has sufficient to finish it? Lest happily, after he has laid the foundation, is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, sits down first, does not sit down first, consults whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him that comes with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends an embassage. I don't know what that is. I'm thinking like a little group of people. Like Braveheart style, and desires conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsakes not all that he has cannot be my disciples. Jesus is revolutionary. He's saying, Look, I want you to count up the cost right now, right now. And he's talking to groups of people. He's talking to the people that are down in front, he's talking to the people that are standing in the back, the Pharisees that are looking down their noses on everybody. He's talking to all these people, and he says, I want you to count the cost. All right? He says, because unless you're, not, unless you're willing to give up everything to follow me, then I don't want you. I mean, ask yourself the question right now. Am I willing to give up everything, everything that I have, if Jesus wants me to do something? Am I willing to give it all up? I'm talking about my cars, my family, my friends. I mean, because you know your family's going to be the first one on the phone when you pick up your stuff and you move to Africa. And they're going to be like, you know, that's kind of drastic. Are you sure you really want to do that? And Jesus is like, I'm a revolutionary. That's what I'm calling people to do. I mean, I mean you either do it all or you do nothing. I don't even want you to be my disciple. In fact, it's worse than that. Not only does he not want you to be your disciple, but listen to this. Verse 34, salt is good, but if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, the ground, the earth, the soil, nor for the dunghill. But men cast it out. He who has ears, let him hear. That's Jesus, uh, just for interpretation. If you get it, you get it type deal. He who has ears, let him hear. If you get it, you get it. What is Jesus saying? Salt is good. If the salt has lost its flavor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It's neither fit for, it's fit for a pile of dirt or fit for a pile of poo, uh, but it needs to be cast out. Have you ever even come in contact with flavorless salt? Flavorless salt is, is, a, is a salt that has lost all of its properties. Did you know that salt has the ability to heal? 
Did you know that salt is great, uh, was back in the day was used for money, currency? Salt had huge value. And when Jesus is saying this, he's like, salt is worth a whole lot. But if salt has lost its flavor, it's worth nothing. In fact, it's worth so little that I would have a pile of manure. And I would, if somebody came over to try and put some flavorless salt on my manure, I'd be like, get away. You might ruin my pile. <laughs> because even it is good for something, but flavorless salt is good for nothing. Get away. I'm telling you, the guy says some bizarre things. But let me tell you what Jesus was saying. See, he was looking at these Pharisees. He was looking at these Pharisees that thought that they were the salt of the earth. And they were supposed to be. They were supposed to be the ones giving the message. They were supposed to be the ones calling people to repentance. They were supposed to be the ones interpreting the law. They were supposed to be the ones leading the revolution pointing to the Messiah. That's who they were supposed to be. But they've lost their flavor. They've lost the whole reason of what they're doing. Instead, now they talk about which people are the good preachers. They talk about what they're going to do on Sabbath afternoon for lunch. They talk about all these things, and they've got no hands in the real stuff. They've got no hands in the pile of manure, who are the people that need to, be, need to have something done with them. I mean, Jesus is basically saying, listen, even the scum of the earth, I wouldn't want you to come close to. Much less soil. If, if, if Pharisees came close to soil, I would get in between you and I would tell you to go away, which is exactly what he did. He looked at these people, these men and women that thought themselves so righteous and so flavorful. And he again and again pointed out the fact that they just didn't get it. And look what happens right after he says that. It says, Then drew near unto him the publicans and the sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Man, that's so, I mean, that is just what Jesus was saying. Like he started talking about this revolution. He started talking about this revolution. He says, Who wants to sign up? And all these people that have been looking for meaning and purpose in their life, that have been looking for, for this thing to grab onto, this thing to just give everything to. And they've been trying to do it with drugs. They've been trying to do it with women. They've been trying to do it with whatever they've been trying to do it with. And they haven't been able to find that fulfillment. Nothing's been able to quench that thirst or fill that hole. They're all the ones going, this is the revolution I'm talking about. This is the one I want to follow. He's the one who has the words of life. When people were fleeing, Jesus said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter said, where else shall we go? You're the one who has the words of everlasting life. It was the people who were the low class of society, who were considered the scums of the earth, that didn't have so much self-righteousness inside of them, that they were able to see when Jesus said stuff, that they were able to hear when Jesus said stuff, and they were able to understand what Jesus was saying. And I just want to ask you tonight, I just want to ask you, have you become the Pharisee? Have I become the Pharisee? I mean, have we, have we gotten so far into our righteous ways? We think we're so amazing or so good because maybe we've studied something better than somebody else. 
or maybe we think our truth is better than somebody else so that we're looking down our noses on other people and we're unwilling to change. We're unwilling to see what Jesus has right in front of us, right before our very eyes. Maybe the things that he's saying to us through his messengers, through telling us where to go and what to do. Are we no longer a part of the revolution? I want to tell a story about a little Irish boy. I'm going to call him Charlie. I mean, it makes sense, right? Irish, Charlie. All right, maybe not. Maybe that's English. I don't know. All right. So uh, a little Irish boy named Charlie, he was, uh, he was quite, a, quite a, um, uh, a painter as a little kid. His dad knew that he had talent, and so he had, uh, he had him go and, and paint for the family and sell his paintings, you know, to make money for the family so that they could survive. And the little boy was like, sure, yeah, no problem. I'll sell some paintings. So he went out, and, uh, you know, he would paint his stuff, and he'd sell his paintings. Well, soon he, he, got, he got pretty big. You know, he got, got to be pretty good and <coughs> started making his money, kind of pulled his uh, family out from, you know, where they were living and stuff. And, uh, you know, they bought this kind of uh, larger place, put all their money down on it. He had a fiancé, you know, um, later, you know, getting early in life, you know, later early, later early. What is that period? You know what I'm talking about. You know, starting life, the real life. Whatever. So he's in his mid twenties ish, you know, and he's like, uh, he's like, all right. So now people are kind of knowing, knowing him. Well, he decided that he was he was going to go to London to sell his paintings, and so you know he he took and he piled up a whole bunch of these paintings and he wrapped them in uh, a sack and he put it on his back and he went walking, and uh, he had to walk through these fields, and uh, <coughs> as he was walking through these fields, he came to woods, and, and he had to go through the woods, and when he got to the end of the woods, there was the shoreline, and he went uh, down the shoreline until he got to a port, and then he took a boat all the way over to England, and then when he got to England, he got on a train, and when he got on the train, he took it all the way to London, and when he got to London, he sold his paintings, and he sold every single one of his paintings, and he did pretty well, <clears throat> and he turned around, and uh, he's on his way back, and it was a long journey, so he's on his way back, and he comes and uh, he travels all the way back up the train, across the, across the I don't know what they call that little body of water, but you know, uh, from England to Ireland. And he gets off and he goes up the shore and he comes through the woods. And it, as he's going through this field, he steps up on this like stone wall. It's kind of falling to pieces. You ever heard, seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? You know what I'm talking about, the one Morgan Freeman was walking on? Steps up like on that, and he steps down on the other side. And when he steps down, he rolls his ankle. And when he gets down, he's on the, he's on the ground, and he's almost home. And he's like, oh, my goodness, stupid thing. And he throws a rock. But then he starts to look, and he says, he says what is that? And it's kind of like the side of this, this like, thing. And so he starts to dig, and he digs out this, this box. And he's like, this is crazy. There's a box in the middle of this field. So he opens it up, and when he opens it up, he sees something inside that's crazy. It's, it's, it's amazing. It's so awesome. He's going to go tell everybody about it, and so he closes it, and he puts it back, and he, and he goes and he buries it, and he buries it as deep as he can, and he covers it with dirt, and he puts the dirt all around it, and then he goes and he grabs a pile of grass over here and puts it down like sod and stomps on it and tries to make it until it looks like nobody has been there. And then he starts to walk away, looking around, making sure nobody saw him, and he gets away. 
He gets home, and when he gets home, he tells his wife, he says, listen, listen, I'm going to buy that field over there. And when I buy that field, it's going to cost everything. I mean, like, I've calculated it up. Like, we're going to have to sell our house, and, and you know, I, I don't know exactly what we're going to build and stuff. But it doesn't matter because, because what's in that field is great. And his fiance's like, how are we going to survive? Like, where are you going to, like, I mean, you, you're going to get rid of all your painting equipment? I mean, you've invested all of our finances in that in your house. And, and he's like, no, 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 I'm going to do it. And, and his wife Finally, no, you're crazy. Stop. Don't. And, and he does it. And he says, no, I'm going to do it. And he tells his parents, he says, look, we're going to have to move. We're going to have to get you out of here for a little while. Go live with some relatives or something. But we're going to have to do something. And they're like, why? Why would you do that? And he's like, I got to buy this field. I got to buy this field. And they're like, they're like, no, don't. I can't believe this. Are you ridiculous? And everybody's telling him not to. And everybody's telling him not to. And he's like, no, I'm going to do this. And so he, he goes and he, he finds the guy that owns the field. And he says, hey, listen. I want to buy this field from you. And the guy says, all right, it's going to cost this much. And he says, I don't have that much. He says, this is everything I got. And he hands it to him in his pack. And the guy takes the pack and he says, all right, that's enough. You can have it. So he buys this field. And he's so happy. He's so excited. He goes and he tells his fiance she doesn't want anything to do with him. And he goes and he tells his parents. And they're like, are you kidding me? You turned your back on us. And he goes and he tells all his friends. And they're like, man, you got nothing. And he goes, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And he goes to this field, and he gets in this field, and he goes straight to that spot, and he pulls it up, and he digs it out, and he opens it up, and he pulls that box out. And yes, inside is exactly what he was sold everything for, what, exactly what he was looking for. It's the kingdom of God. <clears throat> Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which... When a man has found, he hides, and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has, and he buys that field. You know, I guess what I'm saying tonight is, let's make sure we're a part of that revolution. I mean, let's make sure that we're a part of that kingdom. Let's make sure that we are grabbing Jesus with everything that we have. That, so that our fingers cannot be pried off of him. Let's make sure that he is our number one in our life. Let's make sure that we're not looking down on other people no matter what their relationship is. Let's take God for this revolution that he's trying to start in this world that he's trying to have. Let's just get a hold of God and never let go. <clears throat> Do you want to be a part of that revolution? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you that to each one of us, you're calling us. You're knocking on our heart. You're asking us to be a part of what you started. Lord, and your vision is so huge. It involves every single one of us. God, I just pray that, that we would, would just become a part of that, Lord. That we would want more and more of you. That we would consider a relationship with you as the most important thing in our life, Lord. Lord, I just want to give a moment, Lord, to anybody here that just wants to take a moment and just, just say how, how much they want to be a part of you, Lord. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it speaks to my heart and it makes me passionate. It makes me want to follow you. Lord, I just, I want to be like you. 
And I can't wait to see you again, Lord. And I just pray that every other person uh, here in this room would want the same thing, that would want to connect to you, that would want to get a hold of you, and there'd be nothing that could ever stop them from seeing that becoming a part of it. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Make me salt, make me light, let your holy fire ignite. Reveal your glory in my life. Cause I am not ashamed to lift up your holy you to stand as we sing this song.
loving Father, God, we thank you so much for your presence here with us this evening. And we want to be salt that has flavor um, that can go out and, and light the world. We want to be a part of, of your revolution. Um, and I don't, I don't know what, what the people here are in this room are struggling with, but I know that, that sometimes we can allow things to come into our lives that, that can make us hard, hard to hear um, what, you're, what you're trying to tell us to do. And so I just ask that as we enter into your Sabbath that, that you would open up our ears and open up our eyes to, to know what you are asking us to do. And if we have been holding on to something or allowing something to get in the way of that, give us the strength to be able to give it up to you. Um, you know the desires of our hearts, and that is to follow you, and that is why we're here. Um, so we want to recommit ourselves to you tonight and be with us as we go into the Sabbath and the rest of this week. We thank you for answering this prayer according to your will, and we thank you for your love, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's all for tonight um you're welcome to leave and you're welcome to stay a little while if you want there's food over in the corner there's some hot drinks and some treats um so help yourself meet somebody new and have a good night
feel you I feel this need for you And I need to hear you Is that so wrong? 